This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Jeff Merrick Show, uh, segment number two, as we await Mark Spector from Sportsnet to talk about last night's. Can we call it a debacle? I feel like we can call it a bit of a debacle. That game had like everything. Weird penalty to start the game. Oilers jump out to a quick lead. Lose tie it up. Oilers look like they're running away with it. It's 3-1. There's eight and a half minutes left. Oh, not so fast. Jordan Bennington makes a couple of incredible saves to keep them in the game. Then Darnell Nurse with the giveaway. It was just, it was, it was a mess. So as we await Mark Spector uh, to chat about that and, and about a lot of other things with the Oilers, because there's some interesting scenarios that are kind of playing themselves out here. They, it looks like they need a defenseman. But unfortunately, they also need a goalie after just spending money at the position because that doesn't seem to be working out with Jack Campbell. Um, in the next hour, we'll be joined by Jonathan Davis from NHL Network Radio and the Show Me the Money Hockey Betting Podcast. And at the bottom of the next hour, Carl Alsner, former NHL defenseman, uh, longtime Washington Capitol. We'll talk to him about playing with Alex Ovechkin, this chase, and uh, his career after hockey, as well as what it would be like to defend today. Because can't imagine it'd be all that fun, especially after what we saw with Connor McDavid last night. Talk about not possible to defend. Mark Spector from Sportsnet joining us on the line. And Spec, that was, um, I guess that was a fun one last night. It was very interesting to say the least. Yeah, what a, you know, you cover a lot of hockey games twice in your day. And a lot of times you go to the rink and, you know, nothing memorable happens. And three days later, I can't remember the score. And last night was one of those games. It opens with the rarely seen icing the wrong starting lineup penalty, <laughs> you know, which you don't see once in five years anymore. And uh, it ends on a goal called off in overtime. The Blues had two too many men on the ice penalties as well. Uh, Connor McDavid spouts off against the league, something I don't think he's ever done before. So, yeah, it was fun. There's lots to write about after that one. Could be three columns, I think. I was going to say it was an easy one for you. Um, now, on on the – okay, let's – you know what? Let's talk about Connor McDavid talking about, you know, kind of calling out the league a little bit here. How much of that is the frustration about that particular play and how much of that is frustration of how things are going right now? Um, I know – I think it's that play. I'll be honest. You're always playing for – okay. You know, what do they won? Something like, I should know this, six of their last eight or something like that going into last night's game. They're climbing up the standings. They're playing a pretty good brand of hockey. So I'm not saying they're perfect. You know, they've had a tough schedule. They had a whole bunch of injuries, but their game's coming together. So no, no, I'm not going to say that he's just mad about how they're playing. They had that game in the bag last night. I mean, they should have walked out with two regulation points and blew it. So I think that, I mean, he was frustrated that he scored the overtime winner and they took it away from him. That's what he's frustrated at. And I'll tell you what, I watched the play 15 times now, and I think the league ended up making the right call, frankly. And you know what? Probably this morning, if McDavid looks at it with a cool head, I'll bet you he'd agree. And and that's what I was going to say. Like, Elliot, I just had Elliot on in the previous segment, and he said he thought it was a good goal, and I disagreed. And the thing that that I'm more on about right now is people trying to compare it to the Kale McCarr play in the playoffs last year. They're two entirely different things. Yeah, totally different. So the only thing the same is it happened to both of them went against the Edmonton Oilers. Yes. And after that, they're completely different plays. Uh, the one last night, it's, it's interesting. Like we all know, the, as Connor McDavid said, since I was a kid, I thought that when you go over the blue line and control of the puck, you're okay. But, right, but Connor McDavid going over the blue line and he did not handle the puck on his stick for quite some time. Like it, he didn't get over the blue line and start to stick handle like most of the time happens. Connor McDavid, though, he's going over the blue line. The puck's next to his skate. He's watching it. He knows it's there. He can handle it if he wants. He chooses not to. Yeah. So my point would be this. Connor McDavid is in control of that puck, but he's Connor McDavid, and you can't have separate rules for him. The average guy needs to actually stick handle the puck to be said to be in control of the puck. I think that's fair. So I look at Connor in the eye, and he says to me, I had control of that puck. I believe him. He thinks he had control of that puck. He's Connor McDavid. If he says it, I believe him. But does Blake Coleman have control of that puck? Does Wayne Simmons have control of that puck? And, you know, I'm not sure. I think the right call is made. 
and McDavid just needs to handle that puck with his stick if he wants to tell people he's in control. Yeah, and I, I would I tend to agree with with that statement. Um, okay, uh, question here about Connor McDavid. So let's stick on the McDavid page. So it's very easy to kind of wax poetic about McDavid, and and while last year looked like he was at the peak of his powers, he's kind of blowing last year out of the water. It's it's probably an impossible question to answer, but. Is McDavid even close to the best that we will ever see him at this point? Because it just feels like every year he gets that much better. And last night's goal, that shot, was a, a testament to how much better he is, even just at shooting the puck on the rush. Yeah, and that shot we've seen now, I think, three times this year on the on the P, uh, the power play. It's just like another little weapon he figured out. He used to try to make a, a move on that last defenseman and go in alone on the goalie. Now he's figured out, you know, the percentage of beating that defenseman, whatever that, you know, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But he's pretty good at shooting it, you know, a quarter inch outside that D-man shin pad. Goalie has a hard time picking it up. Connor's coming with such speed. He's got a nice wrist shot. And he's scoring goals that way. That's a a new weapon this year for him, as if he needed one. Um, You know, I don't know. Does he get better from here? Listen, all I know is a guy that's been – you know, blessed to be covering this kid since the day they drafted him here in Edmonton. Any sentence that starts with, I don't think Connor McDavid can, <laughs> is a sentence that's going to make you look like a dummy down the road. It's an exercise <laughs> in futility. Way, pal. <laughs> and, it, and it is, and it is true. I just, I watch him and like the, the point totals that he's put, like he's, I think it was the fifth fastest player to reach the 60 point mark in a season. He did it in just 31 games. And last year he had a 123 points. And, and that looks like tip of the iceberg to, to what he's going to do. It, it does feel like his style of play and the speed that he plays the game has just become, even with the improvement in, in players across the league, that he is just basically impossible to defend at, at full speed because frankly, nobody can catch him. Well, he's getting better, too. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing here. Everyone's getting better. The kids coming in have all these skills. They all skate so fast. I mean, every the, the level of hockey raises and raises. But so does his, right? That's the, the linchpin here. Like, he's a way better player today than he was three, four years ago. And, you know, he's he's much better defensively. Like, he's in the right place. He makes the smart little... You know, I'm not ever going to tell you he's Patrice Bergeron, but he has the, he's learned the tricks of the trade. You know, he knows he doesn't lift your stick when there's no point lifting your stick. He lifts your stick right at the right moment now, right? He gets his body position so you don't get the puck as opposed to before where he used to let you get the puck and then try to take it away from you. He's just learned the tricks of the trade as a veteran player does. He's seven years in the league. So, uh, listen, he's, I don't know how many more words you need on this guy. He's, there's a conversation in the league and having dry silent Edmonton and Matthews is in Toronto. And, you know, here comes Tage Thompson and all these other guys. There's a conversation over a couple jugs of beer here. Who's the second best player in the national hockey league. There is no conversation as to who's the best player in the national hockey league. That is, that is not a conversation. Yeah. That, that, that doesn't exist in this reality <laughs> or in this universe or in this world. No. There's no place for no. that. Um, on the flip side last night, I thought Darnell Nurse had a rough one. Two giveaways yep. directly leading to goals. Yep. And that contract does not feel like it's aging well. 9.25 per season. And maybe this is, maybe, I don't even know if we can answer this question, but if there was a contract that Ken Holland would rather have back, is it that one or is it the Jack Campbell one? Well, at this point, I would say to you, Jack Campbell, just because <laughs> he hasn't shown he can do it here. Um, you know, you, there's... There's so many intangibles around this thing for Darnell Nurse. You know, the the micro about last night, he plays all the toughest minutes. He plays 24 minutes a game. He's, you know, who never, who, you know, who never gives the puck up with 30 seconds left. The guy who's on the bench because someone else is playing. That's the guy that never makes that mistake. Right. Yeah. So you've got to allow the Morgan Riley's of the world, right? The, the Quinn Hughes of the world, the Mackenzie Uyghurs, they're going to blow a play with 30 seconds left when the other team is coming hard. It's just going to happen. So it happened to Darnell Nurse, and life goes on, man. He's going to play 24 minutes for you tomorrow, too. Uh, the macro on the contract, you know, you, if you're here in Edmonton, he's getting a ton of heat, and I get it. You make the money, you take the heat. Edmonton lost 
uh, Oscar Clefbaum a couple of years ago for nothing. His shoulder, uh, he's got a bad shoulder. He just walked away from hockey. He's never going to play again. Then the next year they lost Adam Larson to free agency, and they thought they were going to get him back. And he just walked away to Seattle because of a situation that happened here. His father had passed in Edmonton, and he just wanted a fresh start. I get it. But here's my point. A year later, Darnell Nurse comes up, and Ken Holland says, okay, I just lost a whole, my second pairing defenseman. I lost my second pair for nothing. Now I'm going to let Darnell Nurse walk away, right? Okay, so you let Darnell Nurse walk away. What are you doing with those 24 minutes? You know, who's going to give you some toughness? Who's going to play the minutes? Darnell Nurse makes the odd mistake. Yeah, he does. He's a really good defenseman. Is he nine and a quarter? Nah, he's probably eight somewhere. He goes out in the free agent market. He's making eight today for sure. So you got to look at it from the big picture. Ken Holland looks at this guy. Oh, yeah, he's McDavid's best buddy. You're just going to let him walk away? Is that what you're going to do? And then try to sign McDavid in a few years? I mean, you got to have players, man. And they have this player. They like this player. And the market said he was worth $9 bucks, and that's what they had to pay him. And I don't think Ken Holland saw a way to replace that player. Yeah, and that's a, a very fair point. Uh, Mark Spector from Sportsnet.ca joining us here. Now, on the on the topic of defensemen, how would you categorize the interest in Jacob Chikrin? And do you think that there is a willingness to part with a, a first-round pick plus-plus for a player like that who probably fits into their their cap structure because he's at a good number and he's going to give you good minutes? And in that sort of a deal, is it imperative that Jesse Pouliot-RV goes the other way to help offset the cost? Well, yeah, there's some stuff to unpack here. Jesse Pugliarvi goes the other way in any deal because he's, they got to get rid of three million bucks. His three million bucks. His days here for sure are limited. Uh, let me say something to you right now. Jacob Chikrin is not going to get traded to the Edmonton Oilers this year. Okay, the Edmonton Oilers are not going to trade for Jacob Chikrin. I know it's out there, and there's some guys pushing that thing. When it, when he gets traded somewhere else. Think back to this conversation. He's not coming to Edmonton. Edmonton does not see Jacob Chikrin as the defenseman that they need. They need a defender here. They need a guy to take some of the hard minutes from Nurse. Uh, Jacob Chikrin is a good player. He's a nice, you know, he moves the puck well. He does all those things. He is not what I would term a staunch defender, and that's what they need. They need Ben Sherratt in his prime. They need Edmondson when he's healthy. They need... Gavrikov, they need, that's what they need. They need a guy to play the left side below nurse, not a puck mover, not a scorer, none of that stuff. So Chikrin, Chikrin's not coming here. He's not the guy. So it, so would you would you say that if they were to make a move, it's going to be something a little bit lower end for like a, a second pairing defenseman? And, and, are, and do you think they want to add something small up front? Yeah, for sure. Well, I just defined what they need on the blue line. That is their primary need. You know, I'm going to keep saying the name Edmondson. I'm not saying it's him, but I think we've all watched Edmondson play. We know what he is, right? Mm-hmm. Big, strong, heavy, hard, cycle buster. That's the guy they need. If it's Edmondson, maybe it is. It could be a, a few guys. Uh, as we all know, top four defensemen are pretty difficult to find. So what Ken Holland has to do is sit around here and wait for a few teams to fall out of the um, fall out of the race, right? You need some teams to fall out of the race and say, okay, we're going to move somebody. Uh, yeah, they need a couple depth forwards. That's for sure what they need. Edmonton scores enough goals. As we approach the trade deadline, when you hear about the Oilers and you hear trade rumors about them going out and getting flashy goal scorers, don't listen to them. They need guys that keep the puck out of their net. they got enough goals here. So the Oilers are looking for that defenseman I just defined, and they will want uh, at least a player – you know, in their depth lines, maybe if you could find a, you know, a nice a fourth line center that can kill penalties and win you a draw, someone like that. In your wildest dreams, it'd be a guy as good as Horvat, but they're going to end up with a, a lot closer to Derek Brassard than they are to Bo Horvat, I suspect. Uh, and how much of, of not needing uh, another forward, and we just got a couple minutes here, how much of not needing a forward has to do with the, the impressive offensive year that Ryan Nugent Hopkins is having? Yeah, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is, is all of a sudden showing. The debate about Nugent Hopkins over all these years is, can he drive his own line, or is he a guy that just is a real good, compatible you know, guy on a winger to a good centerman? And so far, I tell you, he hasn't been able to drive his own line. This year, he's driving his own line. So 
listen, you got a lot of options in their top six here. You can go, as long as Nuge is playing this well, you can play Drysaddle and McDavid together. And there's no more productive duo in the National Hockey League over the last five years. That's it. Uh, if you feel like you want to break up Nugent, uh, Drysaddle and McDavid, now you shift Nuge to the wing. You got an awfully productive left winger. And when Evander Kane comes back, you know, this guy led the playoffs in goal scoring last year. So you've got two pretty strong left wingers up front. You got the best, I'm going to tell you, the best one two centerman punch in hockey. And you got Zach Hyman as one of your right wingers. So you telling me you got to go out and find another top six guy? Like, there's no chance. Top six is not what they need here. Yeah, round out the bottom of the roster and then see what you got. That's I, I, yep. I totally agree with you. Uh, Speck, we're right up against it. Thanks so much for, for taking a few minutes for me, man. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, Manny. There he goes. Mark Spector from Sportsnet.ca. And I, I, I tend to agree with what Mark is, is talking about there. They do need another defenseman. They need, they need players to help keep the puck out of their net and they don't need anybody to help them try to score goals. We talk about um, Zach Hyman, who's scored again last night. Lee fans, Lee fans miss Zach Hyman just a little bit. But Zach Hyman's been the perfect fit for that team. And, and for all the goals that they're scoring, you know, they still don't have a Vander Kane in the lineup. He's recovering from that wrist surgery. And when he comes back, he's going to slot right back into the lineup and he's going to score goals like he did. He's going to go to the net. He's going to be a physical presence. That's what the Oilers are, are kind of missing here. But it is super interesting to see how this, this playoff race in the Western Conference is going to shake itself out because like Seattle doesn't look like they're going to get worse. LA's still in a playoff spot and maybe their goaltending becomes an issue. It is an issue if it becomes more of an issue for them. And where does Edmonton slot in? Where does Calgary slot in? Like there, There's going to be some questions about some teams in the Western Conference and how many are willing to go out and make a move to really solidify their spot in the playoffs. And like Fried said, constipated out there. Let's, let's hope we get some work. Uh, Jonathan Davis from NHL Network Radio will join me when we come back at the bottom of the, or the top of the next hour. Jeff Merrick Show returns in just moments. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back for hour two, the Jeff Merrick Show. Matt Marchese in for Jeff, who is on assignment. I'll let you believe what you would would like to about being on assignment. Jeff will be back on Monday. But man, this, you know, John, we're just waiting on, uh, on Jonathan Davis here from NHL network radio. And Jonathan uh, also hosts the um, show me the money hockey betting podcast. And this has been such an interesting year for, for sports betting and specifically betting in hockey. As Jonathan joins me on the line, Jonathan, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. You should feel good because you had a good night last night. I saw those picks and I was like, oh, JD's happy after that. That was a that was a nice little run. Um, there's been a lot of interesting betting trends this year. And I know that I know that you follow that closely. Uh, you and I speak about it often um, and you tag me in your 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 tweets because I love that so much because it helps give me an edge. Um, what is the one trend that you look at this season and you say that one to me is where there's a lot of maybe not so much value, but it's something that has become a little bit more predictable in a sport that is generally speaking, been kind of unpredictable over the last few years. Yeah. Unpredictable to say the least. Yeah. I mean, for me, the favorite betting trend and it's going to come into play tonight as it stands right now, but a road favorite Matt. Uh, anywhere between minus 175 and minus 200. You're 21 and five this year, I think it is, and you're up about $1,100 for a $100 better. So that's as good as it gets, uh, I would say, if you want to play a side. You know, uh, other things that I look at are, are teams scoring four or more, I mean, and, and winning. You know, like the Buffalo Sabres, when that, got, when that game got to 2 nothing last night, you know, I said live line Buffalo uh, to score four goals, to go over three and a half. Because if you believe that the Sabres are going to hang on and win, you know they're going to score four. And they've scored four or more in every victory this year. 
Well, and that was going to be, that was one of my questions that I had for you today. Like who is your favorite team to bet on and watch? Because for me, it's without, without question, the Buffalo Sabres, because you've got, you know, your Tage Thompson props and your, your Rasmus Dallin props and Jeff Skinner and, and so on and so forth. But they have horrible goaltending, generally speaking, and they score a ton of goals. Like, I mean, they are, they feel like a lock for the over almost every single night. And for me, that's that makes for great watching. I mean, Tage Thompson is is quite a scene to watch as well. But I mean, as a whole, for me, it's the Buffalo Sabers. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, though, Maddie, they're sixteen three and sixteen thirteen and one to the over. So they're just above five hundred. I mean, in that area. So that's where you know you want to pick on a game where Buffalo, where you think Buffalo has the best chance to win, and that's why you know I I think isolating the team total. Um, is, is a better way to go because then you don't only have to count on one side to score and not both. Um, so that, that's, that's, I think those are, you've got to try to find some creative ways because, you know, look, there's a reason why the books and, you know, keep, keep surviving and why hotels in Vegas keep going up and then in other places, it's not because they're losing money. So we're trying to find edges and, you know, and those are a couple of the ways that I like to approach things when I hand out, uh, place for a night those casinos are still alive because people make sucker yeah. bets like i do <laughs> lots of sucker hey, bets we, out we, there for us uh, absolutely hey look if it's too good to be true you should always be going the other way that's you know i i i've, I've developed that contrarian attitude from a buddy of mine who works over at and josh applebaum he's really taught me about the contrarian method of, of, of approaching sports betting. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a good point. Um, there, there's some teams that, that it does feel like um, are not, I don't, I don't ever want to say locks because there's never such thing as a lock, but when you look at, you know, a team like the blues or the blue jackets, like you, the blue jackets have 16 of their 19 losses have been by two goals or more, and they've given up more than four goals and you expect them to lose a lot. So it does feel like when you're looking at it, especially depending on the, the opponent, that the Blue Jackets are as good as gold for, for betting against uh, uh, an against-the-spread loss. Well, and here's – yeah, and, but there, and sometimes those odds can be really high. So if you look at the Tampa game last night, Matt, you know, um, there was no value to bet Tampa last night. Really, even both uh, straight up when they were closed out at minus 315. And I can't remember what the puck line was, but – you know, the team total uh, I saw was at four and a half, but then there's a prop that some places offer first team to score four goals, and that was at a reasonable value. So to me, that's, if you can find a prop sometimes, first team to score four, you may get that at better odds than a team total over three and a half. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that absolutely does make sense. And I hope it does for our listeners because, I mean, for some, it, it, at the end of the day, you just got to work to find the value. That's that's what it comes mm-hmm. down to. And and I know you put in the work, and uh, and I do sometimes when my daughter's not. Um, I don't want to say bothering me because she's not four months old yet, so she's not bothering me yet. But yeah, if you put in the work, you can you can definitely find some value. You did post this uh, on Twitter, and I I'm very curious to get your take because this is it's a, it's a gambling thing, but it's also just a a, a snapshot of the league. 23 of 33 games since Monday have gone under. So how much of that is teams locking down defensively and how much of it is just, this is a weird week. Don't get used to it. Um, I I think this is a weird week and don't get used to it. It, The the market tends to correct itself, uh, especially over an an 82 game season. I mean, we saw things like these types of numbers, uh, and I can't remember which trend it was that uh, that came into play during the playoffs so in a much shorter time span. But, you know, look, when, when you're seeing things go like this, ride it out. I mean, ride it out while, while you can. I mean, so I, I think there will be a market correction. I, I think that we are going to – look, we're starting to see a big difference between the haves and the have-nots. And so, um, you know, we are, we are seeing – that you know, more times than not, look, yeah, the, the better teams are winning, although – you know, look, last night was a night that if, you know, if you had the guts to play Anaheim or, or Philadelphia, you know, you, especially the Flyers last night, you, you made some pretty good money. Like, for me, that was a stay-away game, the Philadelphia Flyers, because for some reason they, they, they played the Devils really tough. Yeah, that Carter Hart guy was pretty good. I mean, <laughs> he's been, yeah. Yeah. He's been he's kind of been the only reason to watch the Philadelphia Flyers this year. I mean, that and John Tortorella post game is always really fun, but they're yeah. they're just 
it's it certainly started out well and it's gone kind of how we expected it would. Um, I did want to. I did want to kind of. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. I just want to throw one more trend to sure. the listeners that that's I think is really worth uh, mentioning to people, and that's one that it's called a road underdog with a line move in their favor. So, for for example, last you know the Pittsburgh Penguins, both Pittsburgh and Dallas. Dallas when they went into Washington last night, when the line opened, this is what you. It's very important to watch where a line opens. That one opened up with Washington as the favorite. It got flipped to Dallas as, as the favorite um, as the day went on. And same with Pittsburgh. And that one ended up, you know, the, Cat, the Panthers were a favorite at minus 125. It closed out both teams at, at, at minus 110 in many spots. So if you play those games, uh, if you follow those, those, you follow that trend, Maddie, um, a road underdog with a line moving towards them, this year, uh, they're at 38 and 27. Now, the numbers may not sound so impressive. 38 and 27, you know, you're you're in that 60 percent range. But for a hundred dollar better, you're up 2,500 bucks. Wow, that, that's yeah, that's significant. Like, if you are serious about this, as as you and I both are, um, that that's information that you should keep an eye on because I know people want to say, oh well, you know, how many do you get right? Like, if you get 60 percent of your bets right you are among the elite in sports gambling that's what people fail to realize like it's not a 70 30 split it's like at best 60 40 and in most cases if you're at 55 45 you're probably in decent shape um well think about it if you're a if you like to play the stocks if you get a seven percent return on your investment that's really good yeah that's really good so just think about it in the same way if you're 57 percent, you're making seven percent return yeah, you're 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 laughing. You really are laughing, especially in today's world. Um, okay, I wanted to kind of hammer down a little bit on um, some of the things that have happened on the ice, and and maybe this one off the ice. But Trevor Moore signs the extension with the LA Kings, and I, I like the deal for Trevor Moore. But it does really feel like there's there's a correction here, and somebody's got to go because they have too many forwards making too much money. Am I on the right track? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, look, this is a great deal for Trevor Moore. It's not a great deal for the prospects for the LA Kings because it's, it's one more spot that gets locked up. But yeah, I think, you know, you have to do the math here and you're, you expect the LA Kings and I would expect the LA Kings to bring up Quentin Byfield, you know, uh, I think when, when the calendar flips, I mean, he's, he, I, I, I said before the season started that he should have been starting the year in Ontario. I think that went for the Ontario way in the AHL. And I think that's where he was going to be. It would better help his game. And we're seeing it. he's got 14 points in, in 13 games with, with, with the rain. But, you know, this – so Byfield's going to get called up. You've got to move someone like Alex Iafala who makes four. Or, look, I, I still feel Adrian Tempe's the guy to move. Uh, I, I know, he's, you know he got two goals last night. Uh, you know, he had the tying goal. I, I just think that that $5 million contract is, going to, is not going to look really good in a couple of years. Uh, and maybe even as early as next year. But I believe that I follow or Tempe have, you know, are, are going to be one of the two guys that they have to move because, yeah, I follow at four, Kempe at five, and more at four. Uh, it, it's just not going to work, especially with all the prospects. If you believe that these prospects have any value, but even Byfield alone, he's going to slot in on that third line and it gets way too crowded. And the other guy is Gabe Velarde. I, I would expect that the Kings. You know, he's going to run out of a spot, I believe, on this roster. Yeah, and 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 when we really look at this Kings team, I mean, if they could mix in a save every once in a while, like you could look at this and go, okay, you know, we can we can kind of weather this storm here. We've got some prospects that we can trade. You mentioned, you know, if a team is interested in a, a guy like Iafalo, I'm certain that there would be interest in Gabe Velarde around the league if, in fact, they wanted to move to to maybe get a Jacob Chikrin or whatever. But now you look at the goaltending situation and say, well, let's see what happens when Cal Peterson comes back because he is going to come back at some point. But Jonathan Quick's not cutting it either. And I, I don't know how much of that is the goaltending, how much of that is defensive structure or just the defensive unit as a whole, but they've got to do something because they're paying some guys a lot of money. Like they, they paid Drew Doughty. They pay Anze Kopitar. They're paying Kevin Fiala now, and they've got a lot of money locked up, but they need to make a move to kind of make this all worthwhile. 
Well, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you would, you know, before Cal Peterson got sent down, Maddie, if you took a piece of paper and covered the names of the two goalies, Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick, and looked at the numbers, you could have flipped a coin on which goalie would get sent down. I mean, they both have been really bad. And I don't, you know, in Cal's case, it, it sure looked, you know, just like a, it's been looking like a major confidence issue, especially if you look back to the last game against Seattle. Uh, you know, I, I, when he came in to relieve Jonathan Quick in that crazy 9-8 game, I mean, his, his body language was awful. I don't know in Jonathan Quick's case if it's, you know, look, he had decent numbers last year, played really well, played well enough down the stretch. I don't know if it's, if it's structure, if it's father time, or whatever it is. But, yeah, I mean, look, Phoenix Copley has definitely played better, you know, notwithstanding that 6 nothing game against Buffalo. He has played much better. Um, than, than the other two goalies in a very short time time period. But they, they do need a goal. And, and, and I still think, you know, like someone pointed out to me who, who works for the Kings that they, um, you know, they, they, they equated Kevin Fiala, um, sign, signing Kevin Fiala, trading for Kevin Fiala. They just said, look, really, we didn't need Kevin Fiala. It's nice to have Kevin Fiala. But this team needed a left shot D, and they don't ha- and they never got that. And they also don't have a goalie beyond, you know, uh, under contract other than Cal after next season. I think Kevin, look, Kevin Fiala has been great. He's been everything that they had hoped for. But I think they could have spent their money better. And it's now going it, to, it's put them in a really tough spot right now. Jonathan Davis from NHL Network Radio and Show Me the Money Hockey Betting Podcast joining Matt Marchese on the Jeff Merrick Show. Uh, I wanted to focus a little bit on Vegas here. And I'm trying to get a sense of Vegas right now because they're off to a great start. They're the, the understated part of their season is how incredible they've been away from T-Mobile arena, which is, has been absolutely insane. They're now doing this without Alex Petrangelo, who's away from the team for a personal matter. And Jack Eichel has been on the shelf this week. And it does look like he's probably going to be back tomorrow. But I look at the play of, Jonathan Marcheseau. I look at how good Riley, like Riley Smith has been incredible this year. And I still think that there's more to give. I think Chandler Stevenson is very underrated across the league. And the only thing that I keep coming back to is, is two things. One is the sample size for Logan Thompson enough that we look at and say, he's good enough to, to keep this team as a cup contender. And the other thing is what star player are they going to try and acquire this year and work their way around the salary cap? Well, yeah, I mean, never, never count Vegas out going after a star player, uh, for sure. I mean, you know, look, Riley Smith to me was, uh, you know, and, and uh, Kelly McCrimmon pointed it out uh, in, in his interview with Jeff and Elliot in the podcast about, look, this is a glue guy. You know exactly what you're getting from Riley Smith. I mean, he's such an important part to, to the team. And so when they made their offseason moves, yeah, there's a big difference in salary between Smith and, and Max Pacioretty, but if if they found a way to keep Pacioretty at the expense of Riley Smith, I think it really would have hurt that room. And you're seeing what Smith has done this year. He's got four shorties. Matt, Vegas as a team has five. The only team that has more shorties than 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 uh, Riley Smith in Vegas is the Minnesota Wild. So, you know, at six, uh, he, he's he has been just a breath of, of fresh air. You just you, you know what you're going to get every time. I, I like this team. I like I've seen enough from Logan Thompson early on. You know, to believe that um, he, he's won games for them. That's the thing. He's won games for them this year. He, there, are, there are nights where he has been their best player. Uh, and I think, you know, when they, when they went through a bit of a rough stretch recently, you, you, have, you, you can't take, you know, you, you can't discard the fact that they were missing their best defenseman in Petro and, and you know, also Chase Theodore out of the lineup. It really does change this team. I, I can't explain why they're so good away from home. I mean, you're not the Vegas Golden Knights is not supposed to have the Vegas flu when they're at home, but um, it, it has been remarkable. This 14, two and one start to the year away from T-Mobile. And, and we've, and we're seeing Jack Eichel play like the Jack Eichel that we thought, I know, I know people in Buffalo go, well, we've got Tage Thompson, so we don't care. But I mean, Jack Eichel has been, th- this is the player that we saw before the next surgery. And, and at the, I don't I even though he's been really good, I still think there's another gear here for him. And I think he's on the perfect team. Like the the hand to glove fit for Jack Eichel with Vegas yeah. and then the hand to glove fit for Jack Eichel with Bruce Cassidy, it feels like as well. 
Yeah, I mean, it has been a great fit, and and you're playing, you know, you're playing in a city that uh, they just they they soak this up. Um, look, the the idea of having Eichel and Stone both on the ice together would be really great if that could happen more often. But you know, it it, it definitely helps both their causes because Jack is the is the driving force in this team, but. You know, for me, watching, you know, you talk about watching Tage Thompson and the Buffalo Sabres. There, there's not a player, I think, that enjoys scoring goals more than Mark Stone. And it seems like every time that guy scores a goal, it's either his first or it's going to be his very last. Yeah. Uh, I think his attitude is just absolutely infectious. I, I really like where this team is at. You know, the players talked about earlier in the year in a game at Ottawa where, you know, they had to hang on to a 5-4 win against the Senators that – you know, maybe last year that they they don't win that game. They they end up they 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 fold their tent and and they blow that lead entirely. But there seems to be a different attitude with this team. And then the other thing, look, we go back to goaltending. They they they've been getting it, and it, it's kept them in games. And like I said, there are nights where Logan Thompson has been their best player, and then there are, there are nights like last night where you know he could have ordered a cappuccino and just kind of sat back. It feels like that's a lot of nights against the Chicago Blackhawks, unfortunately, for <laughs> Chicago. Um, okay, let, I, I wanted to ask you about the Ducks. And Elliot kind of made mention of it. This is, like, their goal differential is minus 57 already. Uh, this is shaping up to be one of the worst seasons that we have ever seen in the history of the NHL. And with all that being said, what does that do for a young group like the Anaheim Ducks, you know, your Zegrises, your, your, your Terry's, your, you know, um, Jamie Drysdale's not there, but like it's a young yeah. group. And this is a point in their careers where they are heavily influenced. And by watching your team go out and basically not be in a game after the second period, is that detrimental to the future of this team? Because I, I really feel for Dallas Akins and all of this, because I think he's a good coach. I just think that this roster is it's it's exactly what Pat Verbeek wanted to do. We're gonna really tear this thing down to the studs, and you know I I, I feel bad because I don't know that Dallas Akins is going to be around to see this thing through. Well, I think everything you say is very fair, but I think that this is where expectations need to be set. And you know I had a, I was at a recent Ducks game and talking to some of the people in the organization, and the idea is is and I'm not talking about management people, but other people in and around the team and. The general consensus was that, look, if we're going to stink, let's really stink. And I think that if the players understand that, hey, look, you know, this is we're, we're here to tear it down and we're going to bring it back up. Uh, it's not a matter of necessarily accepting losing. And I know that Elliot mentioned the fact that, you know, a guy like Getzlaff would be great to have in this room just to you know have that veteran experience. Yeah, you're putting a lot on guys like Terry and Zegris. But I think if the expectations are clear and that, hey, guys, you know, we know we're going to go through this rough spot. I know it may be worse than we thought, but I don't think it's necessarily going to destroy this team. And I think that they're doing it the right way in Anaheim. You've got to get really bad to get good. And hopefully for, you know, um, you know, for Dallas Eakins, that he doesn't pay the price. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate, but there's, they're not making a coaching change this year. It wouldn't make any sense to do that. Um, but yeah, look, they're, they're bad and they're putting a lot on the kids. And if the, as long as everybody's on the same page with what the expectations are, I think it's, it's, it's not easy to handle, but it's easier to handle, um, when, when you know what the expectations are. I wanted to ask you about Calgary and, and Florida specifically. So those, those two teams yeah. are outside of the playoff picture. They were, as we know, and it was well-documented, the two teams that, came together and and made the biggest trade of the offseason with Matthew Kachuk going to Florida and Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger going to Calgary. Matthew Kachuk has looked good in Florida. I think Matthew Kachuk was going to look good wherever he went. I haven't, I, I can't say that I can say the same about Huberdeau and about Mackenzie Weger, but both of these teams on the outside looking in at the playoffs, if one of these teams were to miss, which one would it be in your opinion? I would say it's hard, uh, right? (laughs) um, Yeah, it is. I mean, my initial thought would be to say Florida because I, I I trust Jacob Markstrom um, more, you know, as rough as patches he's been going through than I do, you know, well, definitely more so than Bob. And and although Spencer Martin has played really well, I, 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 
trust Calgary a little more because I think their blue line is is better, and I think their goaltending is better. But I think in both these cases, you know, in the case of Calgary, I think you know the biggest thing is, and Matt, you know, anytime that you go and you, you go and start a new job, it, it takes time to to kind of you know understand you know how your new how your new you know place of business works, and you're trying to you know learn you know you're trying to learn your teammates, you're trying to learn the city, and there's a lot of things outside of just playing the game. It becomes a hard adjustment, and I and I just wonder if that's what's going on. In Calgary, and you know, look, look at the other thing. You know, with, with Calgary, I think part of their struggles. You, you take away two thirds of their top line from last year. You know, you, you've been missing Chris Tanev, who I think is you know is such a valuable person at blue line. You've missed him for large parts of this season. You you lose Eric Gabranson, uh, you know, to, to Columbus, who, who was very solid in that third pairing. You haven't had Oliver Shillington the entire year in Calgary for you know as he's dealing with a personal matter. So that roster is very different than it was last year. And, you know, I think we, we see that in the fact that we've got 11 one-goal losses this year. That, that to me, is just, you know, a team that's still, you know, they're, they're missing something. You, when you lose that many one-goal games and, and we're what, only, what, 30 or so games into the year, that's way too many. And that's a team that, you know, that's just not typical for Daryl Sutter teams, I don't believe. Well, and the the flip side to that is with those those eleven one goal losses could have gone the other way. So so Absolutely. that's what, so I think that I agree with you that I, I think I trust Calgary a little bit more. I think there's I think there's an there can be a, a correction or an overcorrection to eleven one goal losses, and you know come the second half of the season, like if you take those eleven and you turn it into even six, the Flames are very comfortable in a playoff spot at this point. Yeah, they are. But, you know, look, here's here's the thing for me as, as well. You know, you're putting a lot on on Jonathan Huberto and, and a really good hockey player. There's, there's no one's questioning his skill set. I just I just don't know, Maddie, if that's the guy that is going to take your team to the promised land, if that's your best forward. And, you know, Nazem Kadri has tailed off somewhat, you know, since the start of the year. Um, you know, I, I trust you know, I trust I trust Nas. I, I just don't know, you know, if I trust Jonathan Huberto uh, right now. Uh, and and look, he, you know, it, it's been a rough start for him. You know, Daryl's Daryl's had some pointed comments about Huberto. You know, some uh, you know indirect, some direct. But uh, you know, that, that's the guy that, that they really need him to be their best uh, their their best player. Uh, one quick one before we go, because I've I've talked about it with yeah. every guest so far. What did you think of the offside sure. in the uh, in the Edmonton St. Louis game? Because I said it was offside. Speck said it was offside. Fried said, yeah. "No, it's Connor McDavid. He deserves the benefit of the doubt." But but Speck's point was, you can't have separate rules for Connor McDavid, even though yeah, he probably did have control because he's Connor McDavid. But you can't have separate rules for Connor McDavid in the rest of the league. Yeah, Fridge has no idea what he's talking about. But that's you know. We, Can we clip that, that right? please? I like that. Can we clip that? <laughs> I, I'm with Speck. I I totally agree. I when I when I watched that last night, I, uh, when I saw the replay. I'm like, that goal's not counting. There's no way. Um, yeah, Connor may have look to me. You know, you can bitch and moan about that, and I and 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 Connor, you know, may feel God. You know, we just got screwed, but. Uh, I think really the bigger issue was what happened with Darnell Nurse with, with 20 seconds to go, and 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 that that was the bigger issue and more of a microcosm of what this Edmonton Oilers team is still all about. Uh, those things can't that can't happen. That game should never have got to the point where we're talking about Connor McDavid and a goal not counting. That was my point. Be better in regulation. You you literally needed to kill 20 seconds off. That was all you needed to kill, and you couldn't do that. And you have a power play. Yes. Yes, and now and, and McDavid did point that out to in in his defense. He did point out like we probably shouldn't have got there because you know we made some mistakes along the way. Two of them were from the guy who's making nine point two five. But I mean, I digress. Um, yeah. But it, it just this Oilers team, like I know they're not in the playoffs, and I, I assume that they're going to get in. But the way their goaltending's been, and and the way that their defense has been, I'm not so sure that they're a lock to get in. And could you imagine not making the playoffs? With Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle playing the way that they are right now, that is a frightening, frightening scenario. Yeah, that's terrible. But they don't have a number one defenseman. They pay Nurse like he is a number one, but he's not. Yep. Yeah, he's making like Kale McCarr should be getting paid that much. 
and not Darnell Nurse. Like right. that's the type of that's the 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 area that you're in right now. Yes, one hundred percent. That is a 100%. that is a that's a tough slog. It, 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 it you know it kind of reminds me of Brian Burke. I think he was talking about Matt staging years ago, and, and staging wants to be paid what like a number one center and. and He's the number one center on this team, and he goes, "You're the number one center on this team, but not any other team." Something like that. I'm paraphrasing Berkey. Yeah. And that, I mean, if that was, if I was any player in that situation, I'd use the same negotiation tactic as well. <laughs> Give me as much money right. as humanly possible. I get it. Um, yeah. J- JD, we're uh, we're fresh out of time here, but uh, you you've donated a bunch of it today, so I, I greatly appreciate it and always always love having you on and picking your brain about uh, about hockey betting and uh, and for those looking, uh, check it out. It's the Show Me the Money Hockey Betting Podcast. Uh, Jonathan Davis is my guest here. Thanks, buddy. Take care, Matty. Have a great weekend. There he goes, Jonathan Davis, NHL Network Radio. And uh, when we come back, we're, we're tied up against it again because I can't manage the clock, apparently. I'm like I'm like a bad NFL coach at managing the clock, allegedly. But we're going to get to our guest here, Carl Alsner from the Alls Caps podcast, former NHL defenseman, a longtime Capitals defenseman. We're going to talk about his post-career, post-playing career, as well as the OV chase. Did he ever think that this was possible for Alex Ovechkin when he played with him for all those years? We're going to ask him that when we come back. Carl Alsner's next. The Jeff Merrick Show, Matt Marchese hosting on Sportsnet 360 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Jeff Merrick Show, the final segment of this episode. And pleased to be joined on the line, former NHL defenseman Carl Alsner, now of the All's Caps podcast, a veteran of 686 NHL games. Carl joins me on the show now. Carl, how are you today? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Listen, I I wanted to get to this early um, and we'll talk about Ovi and some other things, but I love the feature that you were involved in. Uh, The Caps put it out there uh, at the end of November, uh, being part of the Caps alumni. Like we don't talk to to former players a lot about this and you're, you're pretty fresh out of the game, but how's the transition from being a player, something that you've known for such a long, basically since junior hockey at, at that kind of commitment level to to now, you know, the hockey career is over and now you're, you know, you're, you're baseball coach with, with your kids and, and full-time dad. Like how has that transition been? And, and, you know, I, I let, let's be real. How difficult of a transition was it for you? Yeah, well, exactly. There's, there's kind of two sides to it. There's, there's a difficult side um, where you just don't get to be around the guys as much. You're not, you're not in the dressing room. You don't get to hang out and all the inside jokes and, and the highs and lows, I guess, of, of playing during the season. So there's that that you miss and you, without a doubt, lose track. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I've always prided myself on being pretty good at keeping in touch with players and staff um, that I've been involved with throughout the years, uh, always reaching out, but even that's not enough. You know, you, you just, you, you just lose a little bit of that bond. So there's that, but on the flip side, you get to take part in all the things you don't normally get to, you know, like coaching, coaching sports teams and holidays. And, you know, like for example, right now, December and a lot of, a lot of holiday stuff going on. I was just at a Christmas concert an hour and a half ago and I'm eating cookies and, you know, doing whatever the heck I want. I don't have to worry about the consequences on the ice and uh, prepping for another game. So there's, there's definitely some, some downsides to it, but the the pros definitely uh, I think outweigh the cons at this point because I'm I'm just around a lot more. And I know I know you said in in that feature specifically you know the career ended a little bit earlier than than you wanted to, but certainly uh, almost 700 games in the regular season in the NHL is nothing to sneeze at. Now that you look at it and you've had some time to kind of sit back. Is something like coaching or in player development or in a front office, is that something that intrigues you? Or are you at a point like you're comfortable with what you've done? You still have that competitive nature, sure. But, you know, finding the balance between family life and being in a front office or player development, like there is a balance there. Where do you fall on that? It's actually a really uh, perfectly timed question. Um, Because right before I was on the phone, I was just looking at, I was looking at the Hockey Canada website and just trying to 
you know, look at, looking at hockey operations and stuff like that. And, you know, this time of year, especially with the World Juniors coming up, I'm like, you know what, it'd be it'd be really fun to be involved in in hockey somehow because I still love winning. You know, I I love competition and um, you know never never won a cup. So you know, the, you obviously the way at least the way I work is I think if I ever want to win win a cup, man, I gotta get I gotta get back involved in the game somehow on the on the coaching side or player development or something like that. So without a doubt, it's gone through my mind and and does I'd say weekly. Um, the the problem is, you know, when you got to see it on that feature, right? Is is there's there's so many other things I like to do and help out with the kids and all that stuff. And you know, and and when it came down to it, when when COVID hit and we all got sent home and you end up spending oh, it was like six or seven months in a row at home and not really having to worry about hockey. At at that point, that's when I realized, you know what, I'm I'm having more fun with family and friends than I am, than I am playing, which is, you know, the reason why I ended up hanging them up. But um, at the same time, I mean, hockey has been my life. So you, I'd love to get back into it, whether or not there's opportunity with it, whether it's with the league or a team or hockey Canada, you know, that, you know, time will tell if, if there is something that opens up, but you know, eventually I would like to do that, but I've taken a pretty hard left turn into the tech world right now. <laughs> I spend, I spent a lot of my time, uh, working for my buddy, actually, was my old neighbor when I was here in Washington, uh, his tech company. So uh, I'm I'm enjoying that right now. But hockey's always in the back of my mind. Of course, and and like you said, it's it's all you've known. And and I I, I can say I appreciate the honesty because I think that there, you know, it, it's really hard for and you've and you've probably seen this with former players that for some guys it's really hard to to get into that next phase of your life because when you're playing you. Th- not that you think that you're going to play forever, but you don't really ever think it's going to end. And for some people, they go from playing into front offices or coaching or whatever. But for those that don't, trying to find that that thing to do to keep them occupied, like I, I'm happy to hear that you've gotten involved in, in the tech side of things because, I mean, that's something that you enjoy. And, and there's a lot of guys, unfortunately, they, they never really find that thing that that makes them happy in post playing career. And, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm certain that you've seen that with some of your former teammates or former players that you've kept in touch with. Well, you're exactly right. I mean, ho- hockey is, is so many of these is well, a lot of our identity and that's kind of how we associate ourselves with, you know, if we don't have hockey, like what, what are we? And, uh, and I exactly like you said, I, you know, I thought I was going to play a thousand games or, or play some 40, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to keep going and, and until, until I decide to stop. But the game changes so much year to year now that um, it, you know, you know, one day you're, you're on top of the world. The next day you're, you're out of the game or almost out of the game. So you have to, uh, as you don't want to ever have one foot out the door while you're playing, because I think things can kind of turn on you pretty fast, but at the same time you need to start thinking and planning for, for future because it it will um, inevitably come. And so you either have to be ready for it or you're going to have to think fast once you're, once you're done playing. And for me, I kind of, I could kind of see the writing on the wall as, as the game was changing and my position with, uh, with the team in Montreal. And so that's kind of how it worked for me as I started prepping for the next uh, phase of, of life. And, you know, it is nice because, um, you know, Canada is a bit of a different uh, beast with hockey and, it's uh it's very popular but in the states there's still a lot of places that that need to grow and are trying to grow and and getting a chance to play in washington i saw it firsthand and um i spent a year and a half two years in Kelowna, bc and i was one of you know like 50 other hockey players in the area and so the the jobs are are few and far between but you come back to dc and and you're one of you know maybe five alumni that are full-time in the area so you get called upon a lot lot more free, frequently to help out with things and, and grow the game so i'm i'm enjoying that side of that right now as well well i'm happy to hear and i can't wait to see what uh, what the next thing is for you especially in hockey and I, I, you you pointed something out about the the game changing and position changing and i wanted to ask you about this when you watch the game today and like you and i are of the same age and we you know grew up playing hockey around the same time and and when we grew up playing it was a totally different way of of thinking it wasn't necessarily about super skill development like it is now what what do you think about defending in the game today because i I see Connor mcdavid blazing down the wing last night and he just rips a shot past jordan bennington and i say i know it's Connor mcdavid but that looks almost impossible to defend 
have you seen the the increase in skill in the game that has become to the point where as a defenseman, it's almost terrifying every night to go out there with some of the guys that you're going to play against. <laughs> it's, it's so true. It, the, the level is, is insane. Um, from, from the speed, the skill, the shot power, quickness, uh, but also the willingness to take chances. Um, I think that's probably one of the, the main things I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And, you know, when I was, I don't even know, maybe five, six years into the league and, and you see a guy like Eric Carlson, for example, or Mike Green, good example, um, as, as the last guy back, defenseman, and, and going up the ice or on the blue line, maybe toe-dragging a forward who is not expecting it at all, and it works, and, and he's on to the next level or he gets a good opportunity to shoot on net, and there's very, very few guys like that. Now, I mean, you can name... <laughs> You can name twenty of them, twenty defensemen, for example, that will that will do that, or all these forwards that that are willing to take you take you on one on one, and there was there was just way less players that were doing that, so you wouldn't necessarily expect to you know to maybe get in a battle aggressively and have somebody toe drag you or or put it through your legs and go by. You know they they were going to try and protect the puck and keep it to the outside and not turn it over at the blue lines and all that stuff, but. Um, the willingness to make mistakes and the skill level to pull it off is there now. And so you have to, you have to always be worried about it. They're not, maybe not worried, but you always have to have it in the back of your head that if I'm going to go for a hit here, um, I may hit the guy, but he also might walk me and I'm going to look like a fool. So you have to be thinking a lot differently. And, and there's so much emphasis on closing quick, tight gaps in the D zone, close fast. And uh, you would love to go and do that, but you know you have a guy like McDavid or a guy like uh, McKinnon that's just gonna either gonna burn you with speed or they're gonna a Zegris that's gonna put it through your legs and and see you later. So there's just so many different elements to playing defense now that it makes it that hard to play one on one, which I think forces teams to play a lot better team defense and and the coaching staffs and the teams that that have that plan seem to do quite a lot better. So it, it's just, I feel like there's a lot more layers now than it was when, when I was maybe starting out in my career. So it, it changes year year by year. Well, and not only that, um, it, it, the, the way that the game is called now is they, the league wants offense. Let's face it. Like we've seen goals go up this season and the way the game is called is power play, power play, power play. And that's how we increase offense. And unfortunately for defensemen, that's, it makes it that much harder to play the position as well, because like you talk about having to worry about which guy's coming down on, you also have to worry about, I can't take a penalty here. Well, totally. Yeah. And then you can, you can relate it to football too. I, I got into football a lot over the last few years and just with the quarterbacks, you know, defensive players cannot touch that quarterback. And mm-hmm. so it changes the way the, the defensive players finish off plays. And it's, uh, it is exactly the same in hockey too. you, you have to be careful tying up a guy. And uh, I mean, I used to interfere with everybody. Whenever someone came by me, I'm, I'm going to hold you up. I would trip guys off of face-offs all the time. And then they widen the hash marks and it, it got a lot harder. You know, it, it's just every year they're, they're trying to take something away from the defensive side of the game to make it more exciting. I totally understand that. And there's no issue with it, but you just have to get, you have to get better. You have to, you have to get faster. You have to have, have quicker feet in order to defend um, with with speed and quickness, you can't you can't necessarily just try and outsmart or um, you know I almost out cheat guys you know by by hooking and holding and interfering. So it, it it forces everybody to get better every single year, and it it's hard on some players, and other players can excel, and it's it's just an easy way to weed guys out, I guess. I I do love that you mentioned like trying to quote unquote cheat because I love the dirty little secrets about playing defense in, in the NHL and at any level, like slashing the guy on the top of his skates or giving him a little jab with your butt end. But you never did that, right, Carl? There's no chance that you ever did anything untoward to an opposing player, right? Never, ever. I, w- <laughs> I would never do something like that. Actually, it was one, one of the best tips I got was from Ray Ferraro. I played with his son um, in minor hockey and uh, with Matt, he was a goalie and Ray told me at one point when you go into a scrum, flip your stick over so you have the blade in your glove and go in to grab a guy and just, that's where you just give him a little jab with the with the toe of your blade so it hurts way more than if you just jab him with your glove and I'm like, huh is that what you guys think about when you're out there? Like, okay, I gotta get to another level here and get a little meaner because that's uh, 
I never even thought about that. So yeah, there's, there's always little ways that you're doing it. You just try and get away with it. And sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. I love it. Uh, Carl Alsner, a former NHL defenseman and uh, on the alls caps podcast. Okay. So I wanted to ask you about Ovechkin because I look at this chase and, and Elliot Friedman did a, a feature with him from a few years back and he asked him about it. And Ovi basically looked at him and said, like, you're crazy. I'm never going to reach that, that number. But when did this become apparent to you that this could be a thing like him passing Wayne Gretzky was a legitimate opportunity for him? Because I agree. I didn't think it was possible. Like, let's say when he was around 500, but he's at 800 now. He's ready to surpass Gordy Howe. Did you think that this was a possibility when you were playing with him? Like, and then it's not nothing against his skill, but it did feel like a record that could never be broken. Well, I agree. I, 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 it's still hard to believe that it's, I mean, it's going to get broken. I mean, that's, that's, there's, I don't think there's any other way around it. He's, he's going to play uh, until he breaks it. And barring anything extremely unfortunate happening to his health, he's, he's going to get there. Um, and so I didn't even, didn't even come into my mind probably in, until he was in the, I don't even know, high 600, 700 range, because even still, that's, that's a lot of, it's still a lot of goals. And uh, at the pace that he needs to, to, you know, he needs to be over whatever it is, 35, 37 goals for the length of this last contract that he has to get there. And he's on pace for 50 again. Like it's, it's just insane that no one, no one expects uh, someone to score at that rate, um, averaging 50 goals a year. And so the fact that he is doing what he's doing at, at his age and the style of game he plays, he's got thousands of career hits more than, more than probably any other player that, is at this anywhere close to the scoring level that he is? Um, it it is it is truly remarkable. And so now that he's in striking range, like 800 is such a wild number. We 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 celebrate players that are getting a thousand career points, and he is at 800 career goals. <laughs> it's just it's something to to make you laugh. And so uh, there's no doubt in my mind he's gonna he's gonna continue playing till he breaks it. And I. I think that uh, anything with a starting with a nine would be a pretty nice number to end on. Well, I mean, and you take into consideration the games that he's missed for lockouts and for for you know the the COVID shortened season. We're talking about over a hundred games that he's missed, and he could be that much closer. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about Ovi, the the teammate, because I I I heard something. It was TJ Oshie talking about you know how much how much Alex Ovechkin loves when other players score. So that makes you, you, you like him so much more as a teammate. What, what was he like as a teammate? Like, is he the fun loving guy that we see in the media? And I mean, there's other, there's other things that we can talk about, but as a teammate for you, was he that fun loving guy and just enjoyed everything about playing hockey? Cause that's what, that's the sense that I get watching him from afar. Yeah, I think Ovi's gone through um, a couple different transformations throughout his uh, his career, um, which, which I think a lot of people do. You know, as a, as a young guy, young single guy, you're you know you do what you do on the ice and you have fun. And we all saw how excited he was to score goals and to win games. And then you you go and do your own thing off the ice with the other guys that are in similar situations. And then you know life changes. You you're married with kids and. And then your your time at the rink is is so much different. It's it's even more valuable because it is your it's your time away from uh, I guess what you would call real world duties and stuff like that. And so uh, you started to get seem like more more inside jokes with players, more handshakes. You know those those fun little things that you see you see the players do. Um, and I think he he seemed to get more and more involved in that and enjoying. Um, he's had the success, you know, we've all seen the success that he's had. So I think he's enjoying seeing other players success uh, even more, you know, winning a cup, I think really helps cement that for a player um, to just know that, you know, what I've, I've done what I've come here to do. Everything else is bonus. And uh, you know, let's, let's help, help, help other guys out. And I, I think over the last few years, you've probably even seen him pass the puck more, you know, he's, he's, he's always been a great passer, but everyone sees, sees the shot and they don't realize how good of a passer is. And, and as much as we want him to shoot absolutely everything so he can, so he can break that record. I think he's, he's enjoyed seeing more uh, teammate success than, than maybe at the very beginning of, of your career. Cause you're trying to you know, get yourself going. So uh, it's been a transformation for, in my eyes that I, 
that I've been able to notice. But what's great about him too is not only is he very involved in his his teammates uh, at the rink, but even even spouses, you know, remembering their names and saying hi, and and their and the kids and stuff like that. Just being being um, I guess giving some time away and some and some um, bandwidth, you know, brain power into remembering family and, and friends and stuff like that. And I think that goes a very, very long way with everybody. And so he's definitely uh, turned into a, a very nicely well-rounded person. And we certainly see it uh, on the ice. It was, uh, it was, it was weird to see Alex Ovechkin with gray hair, but here we are. And I've got some of it myself and I'm a little bit younger than he is. So uh, listen, Carl, uh, this was a great conversation. Uh, lots of great insight. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for, for jumping on here. Uh, good luck with everything, especially uh, the baseball coaching. Uh, don't forget your camera the next time you have practice. I know how that works. And, uh, and we'll chat with you down the road. Thanks again. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. There he goes. Carl Alsner former NHL defenseman and co-host of the All's Caps podcast. What a great conversation. I, I love the conversation about watching a, a player as a human being develop and become well-rounded because at the end of the day, you know, you you start in the league as, as one person and then you finish as another. But um, Alex Ovechkin, he's inching closer to Gordie Howe. He just needs one more to tie, two more to pass, and that could happen tomorrow night, Hockey Night in Canada. The Toronto Maple Leafs taking on the Washington Capitals in Washington. You can watch that on CBC, Sportsnet Ontario, Sportsnet West, and Sportsnet Pacific. Uh, Tampa Bay at Montreal is the other early game, 7 o'clock start on City TV and Sportsnet East. And to wrap things up, Winnipeg against Vancouver, Hockey Night in Canada, CBC, Sportsnet, and City TV. Uh, a fun show for me. I hope it was enjoyable for you as well. Uh, very, very big thanks to my guest, Elliot Freeman, who joins us at the top of every show. Mark Spector on the Edmonton Oilers. Jonathan Davis from the NHL Network Radio and Show Me the Money Hockey Betting Podcast. And of course, my guest that just joined me, Carl Alsner, who is a, a lot of fun. If you missed it, please, please, please check it out from the All's Caps podcast and former NHL defenseman. For Brett Armstrong behind the glass and Jen Rolnick on the cameras, I'm Matt Marchese filling in for Jeff Merrick. He will be back on Monday. Thank you very much for listening to the Jeff Merrick Show, watching on Sportsnet and listening on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy.